Hi, I'm V, and this is my little podcast where I share what fascinates and interests me in this world. There will be a lot of talks about environmentalism, sustainability, social justice, and occasionally I'll be joined by some of my personal inspirations. While I set my intentions to spread my thoughts in a positive manner, there may be situations where I don't find it appropriate or I simply don't feel like it. For moments where you feel icky listening to this, please remember this might not be your cup of tea. Hello and welcome to Your Cup of Tea. First of all, thank you for the lovely feedback I received for my first episode. And thank you for everyone who kept nudging me to keep cracking on with more. There was a slight delay, but I'll hopefully find my groove with this very soon. Without further ado, today I'm talking about veganism. For those of you who know me, and for those of you who tuned into the last episode, you know I've been vegan for almost eight years now. And I'm going to explain some of the reasons for this in this episode. But the main reason for the timing of this episode is that we are at the beginning of a new year. And this is usually the time people like to make changes, try something new, or pledge to be better. Whether you are one of them or not, this episode might inspire you to give it a try, or maybe just inspire you to make more plant-based dietary choices more often. As much as I would love to live in a vegan world where everyone follows the exact same lifestyle as me, <laughs> I also know that this is really hard to achieve. And like with everything, if 80% of people make good choices 50% of the time, more can be achieved than if only 5% make good choices all the time. So take away from this as much as you like, come back to it if you don't feel ready for it right now, and check out the resources I put in the show notes. Let's look at the definition of veganism. What does veganism actually mean? Now I quote, Veganism is a philosophy and way of living which seeks to exclude as far as possible and practicable, all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing or any other purpose, and by extension promotes the development and use of animal-free alternatives for the benefit of animals, humans and the environment. In dietary terms, it denotes the practice of dispensing with all products derived wholly or partly from animals. Whew, that was a lot <laughs> to take in. Um, so now we've established veganism is not a diet. It's a lifestyle, a way of living. This is really important to highlight as a lot of people nowadays throw the term vegan around quite easily and it can blur lines. Many people may make vegan food choices solely for health reasons. However, these people might purchase cosmetic products that are tested on animals or still consume honey as there are no negative health effects reported for this. 
So this is not a lifestyle, but a plant-based dietary choice they're doing. And this is not a judgment, but a very important distinction. Now, there are three main reasons that speak for the vegan lifestyle. And I would like to mention a few points for each of them. However, one podcast episode will not be enough to elaborate on everything in great detail. I'll mention a few extra resources and link them in the show notes. Firstly, health benefits, as already mentioned. Many animal products have shown negative side effects on human health, especially when consumed frequently. Dairy contains sex steroids such as estrogen and is linked to hormone-related conditions such as acne and premature puberty, as well as an increased risk, risk of asthma, Parkinson's disease and elevated blood pressure, among other health concerns such as recurring cancer source. Further studies have found a link between high dairy consumption and premature death and bone and hip fractures. So the original claim by the dairy industry that dairy is the ultimate source of calcium and helps strong bones has been debunked. However, it has been preached for decades, so you will probably still hear it for quite a while. Another interesting fact about dairy is that you need the enzyme lactase, or fancy name I think is lactase fluorescein hydrolase, if I pronounce that correctly, um, to digest dairy, as it helps to break down lactose, milk sugar, to glucose. Most mammals lose this enzyme lactase after infancy, as there is no need for it once breast milk consumption has stopped and solid foods are the main source of nutrients. This is the same for humans. But especially in the West, children are fed with the milk of other species right after infancy, most commonly cow's milk, and therefore their bodies keep this enzyme. Have you ever wondered why lactose intolerance is not the same across the globe? Cultures where dairy is not part of the traditional cuisine tend to be lactose intolerant. But off we go to the next animal product category that bears harmful side effects, meat. The WHO, World Health Organization, classified red meats and processed meats in 2015 as carcinogenic to humans, simply put, cancer-causing. The more meat is consumed, the higher the risk of cancer. Meat consumption has increased year on year for the last 60 years. And with the increase of meat consumption, increased the amount of cancer patients. If you're interested, I can recommend the China study by T. Colin Campbell, which is the most extensive study about human nutrition out there. And then there's still fish and eggs, <laughs> praised especially amongst bodybuilder fitness guru types people. Um, fish actually contains mercury, some types more than others, and... Even a small increase in environmental exposure to mercury from fish can have adverse uh, effects on our nervous system developments. And studies show that the impact of mercury consumption from, seed from seafood during pregnancy can have uh, a negative effect on the child's brain and further increase the risk of epilepsy. 
Fish is often praised for omega-3 fatty acids and its brain-boosting effects. But these are diminished by the more powerful negative impacts of mercury on the brain. Again, these numbers vary amongst different types of fish and whether it is farmed or marine life, but overall the health benefits are clearly debunked. Lastly, it is long known that eggs are detrimental for blood cholesterol and heart health. And I really don't understand how people in the fitness community always go back to eating eggs for protein. Even one egg a day could exceed one's level for cholesterol intake already. And then there's salmonella. I'm <laughs> moving on from the health topic. But before I do, I can recommend watching a few documentaries like What the Health, Forks Over Knives or Game Changer. Most of them are available on Netflix. All right, so far we have covered why a plant-based diet might be ideal for oneself. But veganism is bigger than plant-based, as its mission is not to be healthy and live a long life, although those can definitely be nice side effects. And I can say, because I know very well that a vegan diet does not necessarily mean a healthy diet, I am by no means a nutritionist or medical professional. I'm just an average Jane, trying to educate myself as best as I can with the information out there. But we live in a world where even our food is industrialized. So just because one refuses the consumption of animal products does not mean all processed foods are eliminated. Crisps, cookies, chips, chocolates could be a staple as a vegan and still you're probably not at your healthiest. Now, I'm not here to advocate advocate everyone to eat a certain way only. I've been vegan for a long time, but I certainly have not always eaten the same way. So let's accept that veganism is not about a healthy diet. Not every vegan follows a whole food plant-based diet because vegans are refusing animal products based on ethical grounds and moral conviction. Why vegetarians and vegans refrain from consuming that flesh might be fairly easy to grasp by many. I personally am not able to kill an animal, so why would I pay someone else to do so? Most animals are literally brought up in captivity and only live to die. And even humane meat is murder. I don't want to die, even if I might be killed a bit quicker or a bit less painful. Food is also culture. And I understand that very well. But humans evolve. Meat is not a necessity for humans. The health benefits outlined earlier made this very clear. And meat is also not consumed occasionally anymore. It is a disgusting mass production that involves living beings. And there are a lot of things humans stopped over the course of history. But we still for some reason, find excuses to continue the mass killings of animals. But the cruelty doesn't stop with meat production. The dairy industry is responsible for the killings of calves on a big scale, as male cattle cannot be exploited for dairy. For milk production to kick in in any mammal, same with the humans, you need to bear a child. This in turn means 
a cow has to be pregnant pretty much all of the time in order to constantly produce milk for its baby. The only thing is, the baby doesn't actually get the milk. The baby is taken away right after birth, with traumatizing effects on both mother and child. Cows can live up to 25 years, so they can get 25 years old. But in the modern farming industry, they only live five to seven years. Five years of regular, forceful impregnation. I've grown up in the countryside and I've witnessed farmers placing the semen in the cow. Believe it, she did not seem to enjoy it. It is rape. I know, that's quite a lot to take in. Then there's the egg industry. The egg industry operates very similar and it doesn't matter all that much whether chickens are held in batteries or barns. For every female chicken to live, a male chick gets shredded right after birth. Chickens only lay that many eggs because humans force them to by placing tremendous stress on them. And just in case you've never made that connection, an egg is a chicken's fetal excrement. A chicken's period, basically. Yeah, so <laughs> these are all very cruel and gruesome reasons why vegans refuse animal products in their diets. These are obviously not all animal products one could consume, but it's just the ones with the biggest industries behind them. The most commonly consumed and it highlights the cruel mechanisms humans have implemented. But animal cruelty does not end with food production. There's a whole cosmetic industry that tests their products on innocent animals. Since 2013, animal testing on cosmetics has been banned in the European Union. However, big global brands still continue with these practices to establish themselves in different markets around the globe. For example, China, where animal testing is mandatory. Big brands like MAC Cosmetics or L'Oreal claim they do not test on animals unless they have to. Well, guess what? You don't have to. You choose profits over ethics. So in cosmetics, it's not only about the ingredients, um, and whether they are derivative from animals, but also whether the product has been tested on animals. One of the easiest ways to find out is the app CodeCheck that enables you to scan the barcode of a product and boom, you know what's in it. Oh, and then there's clothing, <laughs> but I'm not going to cover these grounds um, today. I'm going to cover them in another episode about fashion in the future. I do not want to stay on the topic of cruelty for much longer because it doesn't really make anyone feel good, neither vegans nor non-vegans, but it is the reality and truth and I could only urge everyone to watch the documentary Earth Things and if you cannot watch the whole thing, like myself, you probably know what to do. <laughs> I put more resources in the show notes. So, 
Moving on to a more positive aspect of veganism, or another dark side of modern of the modern world, um, the environment. The climate crisis is real, and our industry is definitely to blame for it. And as discussed before, livestock is a huge industry. Therefore, its negative impact on our climate is also very huge. So let me explain how a vegan diet can significantly reduce one's carbon footprint. That being said, I'm not saying going vegan is the only thing you should do about the environment and then you've done your part. Action is required on so many levels. But let's have a look at our diet and how it can have a positive effect to switch to plant-based. But also, even if the ethics argument has not convinced you yet, and you don't think you can give up cheese, beef, or whatnot, remember what I said in the very beginning of this podcast. Every action counts. If all of us make 80% positive choices, the world will change for the better. Like the climate activist Shell Bizzle, um, she's on YouTube, check her account out. She always says, you can't do all the good the world needs, but the world needs all the good you can give or you can do. So if you don't believe that individual action can change things, let me explain to you how much the world has changed since I went vegan. When I went vegan in 2013, veganism was literally cooking pretty much everything from scratch. Finding vegan biscuits or any sort of processed food was a lot more of a struggle. And restaurants did not know what vegan even meant unless you went to a specific vegan restaurant you found somewhere, usually only in big cities. Now, in 2020, I struggle to find a restaurant that does not have a single vegan item on their menu. Times change because demand changes. And we need to change on a global scale. Our industries need to change. But if we all do our own bits, as well as demanding change, we can change the course of catastrophe, hopefully, a lot sooner. Put it simply, we know eating a pound of grains has a smaller impact than raising and feeding a cow. All the excess water and the feed until that animal gets slaughtered, in addition to all the extra gases, yes, cows fart methane, released to the atmosphere. Um, or an article in The Guardian states that if the US reduced meat consumption by 50%, it's the equivalent of taking 26 million cars off the road. Now, this article has been a little bit older, but I still love that fact. These facts visualize how big the difference is by switching to plant-based, even if it's just half the time. It takes 10 times more fossil fuels to produce one calorie of animal protein than to produce one calorie of plant protein. 18% of our greenhouse gases are produced by animal agriculture. And this does not include the shipment of livestock feed around the globe. When I heard the term overpopulation for the first time about 15 years ago in geography class, it sounded very convincing. 
But nobody explained to me that there is a fairly achievable solution to it. We will not run out of food if we start putting a better resource management into place. In 2018, only 55% of the world's crops, calories, feed people directly. The rest are fed to livestock or turned into biofuels and industrial products. Livestock feed has changed the landscape of many developing countries. Soy crops are grown in huge plantations in South America to be shipped across the globe to feed livestock. Monocultures have a detrimental effect on biodiversity and our planet's ecosystem and are one of the main reasons for deforestation of the rainforests of our planet. A fact that is often brought up to criticize vegans is soya. But 90% of the UK's soya imports are used to feed animals, including cows, pigs and chickens. So the tofu really doesn't cut it. To get a real good understanding on the environmental impact of our diet, watch the documentary Cowspiracy. Of course, even as a vegan, different dietary choices have a different impact. The more regional we consume, the better for our planet. But this is a small difference in comparison to a meat and dairy-based diet. A bridge you can cross when you get there. And then there's one more important environmental aspect before I wrap this up. Bees. And why vegans refuse bee products such as honey and beeswax. Many do not see cruelty in honey. But our planet needs bees. Our ecosystem needs bees. They are doing an incredible job to pollinate our plants and trees. Now, some small beekeepers who consume small amounts of their bees' honey may not do harm. The opposite, probably, as they house bees and help them get through winter, etc. But as soon as the practice becomes a business, it is detrimental for our environment. Honey is bees' food. Beeswax, their housing. Taking that from bees puts bees at risk. Store-bought honey and honey that is used in food products is industrialized honey. And that's one of the main contributors to bees dying. In order to get the honey, bees get a sugar replacement. And guess what? What's not nutritious for us is not nutritious for bees. And they die. That's the reason vegans refuse bee products. Bees die on a mass scale. Maybe you notice, thinking back to your childhood, how many bees used to be around versus how many bees are around now. This is applicable to many insects, actually. And our ecosystem needs bees and insects. Refusing honey may not solve this problem completely, but it is not promoting damaging practices. Now, I know this episode in particular, may have made some of you uncomfortable for various reasons. I remember diving into this rabbit hole over and over again over the years, and it has not been pleasant. I also have been asked for my motivations many, many times, which also has not always been pleasant. Now, here it is, an episode I can refer to when people want to know my whys. It's not the full story. It's not a detailed reasoning or debate, but it's a start. 
And if I only reach one person to start looking into all the resources in the show notes and to start looking into the, these problems, my job is done. And it is January, the perfect month to challenge yourself and try something new. Sign up to Veganuary and try it out. It's completely free. Just the food for now, just for one month. And then you can decide afterwards how much you can and want to implement. As always, reach out with feedback, but also questions you may have about this topic. And are you curious but don't know where to start? I am here. Reach out to me. This is your cup of tea.